Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier From the Depths Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 7. The Agency The professor's eyes adjusted to the room she had been transported to. She blinked to try and banish the pattern swirling across her field of vision and stretched her muscles to relax them after the short, sharp shock of teleportation. She was standing in what appeared to be a lobby of some kind, a large room punctuated by clusters of uncomfortable-looking chairs and potted plants of a genus she had never seen before. A desk stood abandoned across the room from her. There were no entrance doors. Teleport must have been the standard mode of arrival and departure. As her field of vision cleared, an uneasy sense of the familiar rose in her throat. The walls of the room were covered in a vulgar, swirly floral pattern, picked out in light across the dark walls. She looked down at the teleport device and recognised the same design on its surface. She had seen it before in the room wherein Editor Ravel had weaved his nexus around the life of Jane Austen. This was his agency. Snapping any trace of delirium from her senses, the professor quickly jogged across the room, wary that one of Ravel's fellow editors might appear. She ducked behind a column at the far side of the room, remaining there for a moment whilst contemplating what to do. Somewhere here, she reasoned, must be information about 6049's operation in the 19th century. She needed to find a computer. The eerie silence of the room unsettled her. This was a space anyone could see should have been a hub of activity. Some rooms lend themselves to emptiness, but others scream for the want of commotion. Something was wrong. Slowly stepping out from her hiding place, the professor cautiously advanced on the desk and peered over it. A computer terminal sat idle, but the surety that at any moment a cluster of editors might appear warned her from using it. She needed somewhere more secluded. There were corridors leading away either side of the desk. The professor picked one and made her way down it, looking back over her shoulder at regular intervals. The ugly pattern on the walls continued through the passageway, occasionally interrupted by blank sections on which works of art were hanging. The professor suppressed her curiosity and afforded them only a passing glance, but even with a cursory inspection, she recognised the handiwork of several old masters. These, she surmised, were the spoils of the editor's other meddling excursions into history. She came to a junction at the end of the corridor. Both directions seemed as deserted as the lobby, only now the walls were spotted with doorways. Offices, she fancied. She approached the door nearest to her and looked down at a panel of glass set into the wall beside it. She recalled from her previous experience of the editor's base of operations that a handprint was required. There was no use trying to use her own. Momentarily unsure, she took the teleport device out of her pocket and considered the spherical control set into its surface. She had only pressed one of them. Perhaps the others held some residue of a fingerprint. Would it be enough? 
Trying was the only way to be sure. She held the device up to the scanner. A genus of light appeared on it, trying to grasp the object before it. The screen flickered. The professor tried turning the teleporter this way and that, like manipulating the lock on the front of a safe. The flickering of the scanner gradually steadied itself. With a bleep of success, it glowed green and the door slid open. The professor leant forward to peer inside and was relieved to find it empty. She quickly crossed the threshold and allowed the door to slide closed behind her as the light turned on automatically. It was a spacious room, but with little in the way of decor. A painting she did not recognise was hanging on one of the walls. Two others were covered in the ubiquitous pattern, whilst the fourth held a window looking out onto a breathtaking view of mountains and valleys. The professor moved closer until she realised that the panorama was merely a projection, quite, quite lifelike, but undeniably fake. Where was the editor's agency located, she wondered? Below ground? Inside some mountain hidden away from the world? And in what year? She placed the teleporter back in her pocket and removed a device of her own invention. It too was round and rather like a fob watch, only in place of hands were a series of dials filled with numbers. Ordinarily the dials aligned to register the current year, but now they were all turning slowly, never fixing upon one date. Clever, the professor muttered, and then turned from the ersatz window and seated herself at the desk nearby. On it was a screen not unlike the one in Beric's office. There was no keyboard. Rather, when the professor positioned herself at the workstation, it immediately glowed to life. Displayed on it was a swirling pattern of golden spheres, interlaced with tendrils of purple light. The professor recognised this too. It was a time nexus, a weapon designed to alter history. As she looked at the screen, the image appeared to shift whenever her eyes moved across it, as though the two had become linked. Sure enough, when the professor focused in on one part of the image, the screen zoomed to display it in greater detail. The image was not only before her eyes, but it seemed to fill her mind as well. She looked away at the window, and her mind cleared. She returned to the screen and the image appeared again. She concentrated and formed the word information in her head. A message flashed up on the screen. Clarify search parameters. She began to think of 1895 and Oscar Wilde, but curiosity overcame her, and instead she focused on the words Ravel, Jane Austen, and Professor Cronomier. The screen filled with data. There were pictures of Ravel looking smugly satisfied with himself, following reports outlining his proposed operation to stop Austen from becoming a writer and holding copies of her work to ransom. There were messages of approval from higher authorities and timelines for the operation's undertaking. From the mass of information she caught sight of a moving image and pulled it to the front of the screen. It was a video file of security footage. She recognised it immediately and almost flinched away from the computer, but forced herself not to break the connection. It was a recording of the final moments she had spent inside the suite in which Ravel had weaved his nexus. The golden spheres of reality were expanding out of control, the purple web of light having faltered. The computer panels set into the walls were going haywire, and Editor Ravel lay huddled on the floor, beaten and angry. The professor stood before the nexus, her own face bruised and blooded. She recalled the final words he had spoken to her before she had left him to the disintegrating nexus. I'm an editor. I can change things. 
And I've seen into your mind, Professor Chronomier. Isn't there a story you'd like to change? Someone you'd do anything to save? Another face filled her mind now. Not one connected with the editors, but someone she'd known and loved. A face she'd lost long ago. The computer terminal convulsed, latching on to the face she had reminisced about. Once again, the professor's instincts told her to break the connection, but a thought wrapped itself around her conscience. What if it knew about her? What if there was a file? She had searched for that face in the greatest repositories of knowledge ever known, scoured all manner of centuries for it. But perhaps this was the place where answers might finally be discovered. Could this be how she found her again? She let the computer analyse her memories, and streams of information rose into view. Find her, the professor whispered. Help me find her. A dark spot appeared in the middle of the screen, growing wider and wider. All other information began to disappear inside it, until it swallowed the records of her previous encounter with the editors and the face of the woman she had been searching for. A howling filled the professor's ears, like someone crying out in pain. She shut her eyes and turned away from the computer. The connection severed, and the noise faded. The professor sat silently for a few moments, defeated. Another tear rolled down her cheek. She wiped it away and then took a deep breath. She still had work to do. Re-establishing the computer link, she was surprised to find the files on Ravel had returned. She thought the words current status and a report opened. Body of editor Ravel remains missing. However, Likelihood of surviving destruction of Nexus Suite negligible. Total disintegration of body assumed correct. The professor could not bring herself to smile. She had left him to his fate. Instead, she banished the file and thought of Oscar Wilde and 1895. More files appeared, and to her delight she found that they outlined the operation, including progress reports and communications between the agency and their operative leading the mission. As the projection of the mountain shone beside her, the professor read every word of the report, and fear rose through her like a chill. Every instinct told her to run, to teleport back to 1895 and find Astrid. They had all been fooled. The door to the room slid open, and a man swaggered into the room. He saw the professor immediately. Who the hell are you? he spat. The professor jumped up from the desk. Morning, she answered cheerily. Is it morning? So tricky to tell without a proper window. I've climbed that, you know, she said, pointing at the mountain. The man was looking at her, his eyes narrowed, as though trying to recall when or where he had once seen her face. Don't trouble that little brain of yours, the professor smiled, having considered that the footage of her and Ravel must have done the rounds among the other editors. Professor Chronomier at your service. Inventor, explorer, time-traveller, and as far as you lot concerned, wanted criminal. A sick smile spread across the man's face. You've got a nerve coming back here. Well, I saw so little of it last time, she grinned. And besides, I did make your little friend reveal a promise before he, well, disappeared. And what would that be, Professor? the man asked sarcastically. You tried to change history, she began to answer but the man laughed derisively at her. She ignored him. 
You tore a woman's life apart and manipulated her a hundred times over. I witnessed it. I felt it. I will avenge it. The man was not laughing now. There was something in her voice that rooted him to the spot. And don't think I haven't checked up on you, the professor warned, all hint of cheeriness gone. I know all about Oscar Wilde. The man's poker face slipped, and fear rose in his eyes. Oh yes, the professor continued. It's not just the enforcers who know about that one, I assure you. I've read the file. I know your plan. And it will fail. She took the teleport from her pocket. I'm going back there. I'm going to stop your pathetic tampering, and then I shall keep the promise I made to Mr. Ravel. I will disband your agency one editor at a time. I will return here, sir. One last time. Not waiting for him to answer, she activated the teleport and disappeared. The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier From the Depths An unbound theatre production Written by Dario Knight And performed by Erica Sanderson With music by Kevin MacLeod Thank you.